All right. Uh, finally, we are doing this with uh, Annette Garza. Thank you for accepting and honoring our invite to come onto the Big Conversations by Ordinary People podcast. Thank you. Really. You know, yeah. what, what comes a long way always comes in the best way. I agree. With the good results. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, yeah, really, uh, we'll just start from the atmosphere in Uganda before you go into to the work. You have now been here quite some time. Tell me about your experience just with Uganda. So, I have been now in Uganda, I think, a little bit more than one year. And the experience and excitement hasn't, you know, went down. So in that sense, I'm I'm still in, enjoying the positive environment, the fruits, the weather, the people, and you know, the yeah. the openness of, of the country and the opportunities as well. The people who I'm meeting along the way. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, yes, I have been here more than one year. Yep. And it still excites me. So many new experiences coming up. And um, yeah, so excitement is there. And I'm happy to be here. Have you found anything that has shocked you here? In terms of culture, in terms of behavior, something that you yeah. point out? Oh, this shocked me. This was new yeah. to me. I must be pretty honest here that coming yeah. from a small country where we have, you know, uh, agriculture in such a high level, just looking at Uganda, you have pure gold, land, 80% is arable, land, and the agriculture is still maybe not, you know, at that level, but I think you can easily put it also now, and uh, you have, you know, such a young generation mm -hmm. with, the, with the beautiful minds, and I, that's what shocked me, that maybe agriculture is not that... It's something, and yet, uh, surprisingly, I think it's the backbone of the economy still, yeah? Yes. I think we benefit so much from that. Yeah. But the good part, it can change with the right leadership. And I think think it's currently also happening. Yeah. A lot of positive things. We have COP approaching, international conferences. You have uh, Ugandan coffee uh, advertised around the world with Ugandan Connect. Yeah, and yeah. I see a lot of, you know, great potential in the country. So that's also excites me. So you, how are you doing it? Traveling in, the work, how, how are you finding that in? And yeah, how is it really, <laughs> basically? From a personal perspective, it's never easy. Yeah. You know, and with family. Yeah. And in that sense, uh, I think uh, my upcoming, uh, upcoming personal um, achievements, if you can put it like that, would be moving here permanently because oh. I think the travel between the continents are not sustainable in yeah, the end of yeah, the day. Yeah. And if our operations uh, are here, then I see my... So being here, that would be really nice to, to, to have you here. Now, yeah, let's uh, get into it, what we might call as the big conversation. So, um, of course, with, with the background of 1MTN, so maybe you should first highlight on that and what you are doing, yeah. then we pick from that. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. So um, 1MTN is high-quality, nature-based uh, carbon credit developer, and uh, we are very pushing it uh, with, the, with the data transparency, with the digitalization, and, uh, and a lot of great practices along the way, a new design for carbon credit project. And uh, we are very happy that uh, also international players have recognized us yeah. with the approach that we are doing here in Uganda. We are happy to tell our story internationally in different climate conferences as well. So uh, with our operations here, we are um, approaching degraded lands, uh, planting bamboo. 
And <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast, really. It's interesting like that. <laughs> yeah, I have an amazing co-founder behind the scenes who is supporting me with a bamboo book. <laughs> Here. <laughs> yes, so uh, we are uh, approaching figurative lands yeah. uh, by planting bamboo along the way, also implementing biodiversity management practices because we are planting bamboo with the mosaic approach. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, different patches of different bamboos. Also um, planting flourishing trees along the way, of course, leaving also a na uh, native ecosystem, yeah. uh, doing intercropping, creating uh, community food gardens. So different practices, for example, I saw bee farming yeah. that could be implemented within the bamboo plantation. So we can really say uh, that uh, in the end of the day with our project, the, the soil health actually is the one that we are measuring, that it become better. And uh, with this one, we are also approaching it from a scientific approach. Uh, we are backing it up with the data. So soil testing, measurements, uh, MRV from the satellite. We are very bringing it to the next level. That's why I said in the beginning, we are, we are aiming to be high quality, yeah. nature-based uh, uh, project developer. And what does it mean? It means community involvement. It means uh, transparency. It means the data. Uh, approved data, quality data that yeah. we need to showcase not only to the carbon project, um, carbon credit buyers, yeah. but actually also to the country because we see that this is the achievement for us, everybody together. And these achievements needs to be told. Yeah. So I'm more than happy that we will be uh, participating this year in COP in several pavilions in several events, speaking about our project, also bringing Uganda as a country yeah. with this kind of project that is happening here. We are more than excited and happy to do it together. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Now, I want you to also expound on the intersection of climate change and social justice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel? So, uh, I really feel that uh, at the moment we are in a, in a shift period that we really need to appreciate the local communities and also the local culture. And this should be, you know, developed altogether. So I really believe that the private-public partnership is the key. Yeah. Also here, we need to listen to the communities. We need to engage youth as well, because you have such a young generation with a breed of beautiful and brilliant ideas. I agree. Uh, technology is here, internet access yeah. as well. Yeah. So we really think that the social justice can be, you know, monitored, developed. Yeah. And we can do it uh, not only from the from the institutional public perspective, but the private sector needs to be involved. Yeah. So uh, you spoke on technologies that are here. What are some of those most interesting technologies that you feel are helping with uh, nature-based carbon removal? Definitely, this is MRV. So uh, leveraging satellite images, uh, uh, monitoring uh, soil through the satellite, biomass through the satellite, uh, I would say that we need to leverage more drone shots yeah. and uh, to develop analytics, uh, also use AI where we can mm -hmm. to actually predict. Mm -hmm. You have such a beautiful, you know, you're uh, such a beautiful opportunity. 80% of the land is arable and yeah. Uganda is a coffee nation. So I see agroforestry as one of the key actually um, opportunities how to, yeah. to expand yeah. and we can expand it also together with the carbon projects. But for this one to be well, uh, well maintained and well monitored, we need to use newest technologies. Yeah. So, and this is the high quality. 
So with that also comes maybe incentivizing governments, governments and businesses to really invest in projects that uh, are towards that, right? Definitely, uh, yeah. definitely. And I think that actually this is the public-private uh, public partnership that I was talking before, mm -hmm. because we see that uh, from our perspective, we see that uh, internationally at the moment there is different uh, finances available, different financing. And um, and I think that the government institutions should be like a bridge between yeah. the finance and the opportunities. And they need to help to get these opportunities. There can be grants, there can be different climate financing solutions. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that public sector should actually help those kind of shifts to happen. Yeah. So uh, we can develop different, uh, uh, different uh, products tackle in these opportunities yeah. together. Now, uh, you've mentioned opportunities even at the symposium, right? Yes. Uh, you, you, you kept calling out the youth to really take part of this. What are some of these opportunities really that well, can, if you if you can just be specific yes, when we, they listen to this? Yeah, uh, right. well, some of them, as I mentioned before, MRV, drone mm -hmm. monitoring, mobile reporting. Uh, yeah. These are different things that could help, uh, to, uh, what will help different kind of, for example, carbon climate projects happen. Uh, we can also say that everything regarding the data collection, data quality measurement, mm -hmm. uh, that's also one area that we can explore. Yeah. How we can actually, um, how we can report, how we can collect data, different solutions um, regarding the core benefits as mm -hmm. well. That's another area. So I would say that uh, if somebody wants to develop something, then the biggest United uh, Nations Climate Week agendas are actually the ones to look into it. Yeah. What are we talking about? And uh, and then I think after this one, you can also grasp the idea also where are the business opportunities by just looking at what is the panels about, what is the conference about, what are the key um, key um, elements, is it the agroforestry, is it the healthcare, health tech, uh, is it, um, I don't know, e-mobility, how we can actually help with the different technologies to develop e-mobility here, mm -hmm. is it um, analytics to to e-grids or different kind of things. So, so what challenges are you finding in implementing some of, of this to, to make sure that people adopt to these technologies? So far, I think we need to start with the biggest fun, uh, challenging is to is to landing finance here. We need to create trust for those funds to come here, and how we can build trust is being transparent, being digital. So, <laughs> this is the first challenge I mm -hmm. think financing and uh, getting the finance here. So th that process is not transparent right now. There's I think that the trust, uh, this process is not uh, short. Okay. It's, it's lengthy. Oh, and, and sometimes frustrating. Yes, frustrating. Sometimes time is the the thing that we don't have. I agree. Okay. And no room for frustrations. Now, as an individual, me personally, specifically, how, what can I do to support this cause? I think that uh, the first of all, um, it starts with the awareness. You have beautiful opportunity. You have podcast. You are already using it, and yeah. and, and yes. this is actually the storytelling. It's that what is missing. Mm. People are so fast um, taking the negative news out of all of the media. But about good stories, there's not so much good stories out there. Yeah, yeah. And this is not only in Uganda. This is actually yeah. in every African country. But but I have been 
engaging in, in different climate projects. Storytelling is very, very needed. People need inspiration. People need to understand what we are actually you know, up to. Yeah. Up to yeah. what does it mean to maybe to calculate your emissions personally? Also, yeah. you as a person, do you even know how much are you polluting? Maybe every day you are you are driving boda boda. You are you are taking taxi or whatever. So you are polluting. So this is the tricks that we can, for example, what you can use, you can bring awareness. Mm -hmm. And also the other one, I think what's very, very important is to speak about the case studies. You have, you have great projects happening in Uganda in a climate space. And I think these ones needs to be very amplified. You know, yeah. yeah. Okay. Agreed. Now, uh, I also want you to speak on the role of business in addressing climate change. Now for, for businesses here, what can they do? If say they get a chance to to listen to this, which they will do, because we, we we get to host a lot of business owners. So, what role can they play as, as as businesses for now? From how you've observed how businesses are operating from from within Kampala, from the time you've been around here, or just Uganda as a whole? Yeah, well, in that sense, I I have you know this different uh, objectives when I'm seeing the businesses here because I'm coming from Europe. Yeah. In Europe, we have a green deal. We have regulations for businesses that they need to measure, they need to report how green they are. Uh, they cannot, at the moment, attract finances from the banks if they don't prove how green they are. So they need to, first of all, measure their activities, they need to be transparent, they need to report. So when I'm seeing here businesses in, in, uh, in Uganda, then I think that you are in this shift before when you will need to do it because in, in some point, it will also happen here. Yeah. Every business will need to understand how green you are, what is your decarbonization journey, and uh, and in the end of the day, if you cannot decarbonize uh, until zero, then you need to offset. And where you will get these offsets? How much will it cost? Can you develop those offsets in on, in, a, in this country? Mm. Do you need to purchase it outside? And th these are the questions. So I would say that at the moment. Um, it would be great if uh, if we can be um, sustainable in in the bringing awareness within the employees and just uh, starting to you know create awareness within the companies what yeah. is the sustainability what's really ESG stands for yeah uh, I think that uh, you already have the first mover movers here uh, in Uganda for example NSSF has a great uh, report regarding their uh, sustainability journey yeah uh what does it really mean sustainability for them that's great to see also the banks uh i have seen reports regarding sustainability and i think this is the first step yeah towards the business engagement so in terms of with, with these global challenges how are you finding the collaborations and the partnerships with working with people here and how important is that? Like, if you're to expound in it for others to really take part into it, how important is that for you to collaborate with people here? And yeah. yeah. Are you doing this that? That's a great you? question. I, I actually thought about it yesterday. That's a great question. And um, I'm very happy that, uh, that uh, people are very open for the knowledge exchange and for learning. And uh, you can really feel it. And that's, yeah. the, that's the best way how you can really make some changes happen. Uh, to learn something and uh, if you are open to those new terms and uh, and uh, new requirements or the new uh, experiences 
So I would say that uh, until now, um, I have only positive experience because people are very open to new terms and yeah. they really want to engage and learn. And I'm very happy about the youth, especially um, in the universities, uh, in different platforms, also in the climate change, youth is taking a really, you know, important step. You have uh, amazing climate activists from Uganda speaking in different events and bringing awareness. So that's good. So in one of the pointers I have here, there is uh, climate change is increasing the risk of displacement and conflict. What can you speak on that? Well, I think that we need to monitor. Okay. We cannot go too far in both cases. You know, we need to have like some golden middle line and we need to really uh, monitor all the, all the basically risk, stress assessments and, uh, and how the how the shift is happening because we cannot be too extreme in both ends. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that those practices need to be monitored. Yeah. And most likely uh, this should be monitored by the public sector as well. So as a leader, you personally, what have you learned in this journey so far? Tell, talk to me about your journey of, of trying to, to make an impact really. And why have you chosen to invest in so it's your time in, in carbon removal and yeah well i think that the best lesson what i have learned by actually being in in a carbon space not only voluntary but also mandatory for six years already we need every solution we cannot be raw one solution everything is needed is it a carbon capture is it uh, is it uh, carbon avoidance, meaning that you are not cutting down the trees? Is it a new plantation establishment? Yeah. Uh, is it uh, cook stoves? Mm -hmm. Name it. I, I think that the best learning point is that everything is needed. So, if people learn, like, uh, in this sensitization, do you... Can you highlight on like a plan for for say businesses what pro products they should maybe aim at things like that where should we invest for the future instead of just uh just doing everything like how like say say like see how Microsoft does it right that they're, they're committing to be carbon free by twenty thirty mm -hmm. um I think Unilever as well is trying to change with the packaging but then here we it's it's almost like people are, are not concerned right. Well, I can still start up a company right now that does the plastics and I'll probably be wealthy. Yeah, but in, in the meantime, if you will want to attract the money from the bank here, you will not get a loan if you will not be going through. So, so my point is that um, at the moment, um, companies need to understand, first of all, how green they are, mm -hmm. what they can do to decarbonize themselves. And if not then what is the best solution for them to actually, you know, reach this net zero as, as the, you mentioned the uh, Microsoft example. Yeah. Uh, for example, Microsoft has, first of all, they have a very, very, uh, um, very, very complicated decarbonization strategy. Very complicated. And in a good way. Yeah. Because they have really dig deep, deep into different matters of the company, what they can do actually to to cut the waste yes uh, to reduce the travels to use the e-mobility so this is the important part second is that yes they have the goal and they understand that they cannot decarbonize until zero and this is the reason why why they are also opening up opportunity to purchase carbon credits from different projects and they are not using only one project 
they want to have exposure from different projects. I want you to highlight on, on carbon credits. Uh, yeah, how do how, how, how do the credits work like? So yeah. first of all, we have two two markets in in uh, in in a carbon. It's mandatory and it's voluntary. So I will be speaking only for a voluntary carbon yeah. market. These are activities what we are doing mm-hmm. uh, either to um, uh, either to avoid pollution uh, or um, basically do the carbon sequestration mm-hmm. um, to to plant the trees. We are taking carbon out of the atmosphere for not cutting down the trees. We are making sure that uh, we are staying in the same level. So these are the two types of carbon credits. Not cutting down the trees would be carbon avoidance. Establishing a new tra- tree plantations would be carbon removal uh-huh. because we are creating something plus for nature. True. We are taking out the carbon out of the atmosphere. And uh, of course, not, uh, not every carbon credit is the same price. Carbon removal worldwide is the higher price. And this is where the carbon pricing is coming in. Mm-hmm. And this is where also the uh, high quality measurements are coming in. Mm-hmm. If you can prove several uh, worldwide recognized steps and quality marks that your project is having, of course your price will be higher. Yeah. Okay. Here in Uganda, we are aiming for a high quality carbon project. We see every opportunity to create yeah, those. To, to plant trees. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I happen to also work with uh, Tugule. It's an online marketplace, right? And we have previously done campaigns around the same. We have done tree planting. But then it, it, it feels like it's small impact. How much hope can you sell us to to, to feel like what we're doing is... Is, is the right thing in the end of the day it's not small impact if you're looking every every um every action is needed of course we can we can approach it from a scalable way but uh, but looking at the population here in, in in uganda even if the person plants one tree the impact is is massive ah, okay. if we are looking at that yeah but uh, but sometimes yes people are are um, are asking also us but what about the tree planting? But in the end of the day, it's not only about tree, it's not only about carbon, it's beyond carbon. First of all, we are creating completely new economy. We are creating jobs, and this is changing people's lives. In the end of the day, we are also measuring the soil, so it's actually about uh, soil enrichment in the end of the day. So it's not only about the tree, and it's not only about carbon, it's, it's much broader. And yeah. I'd love to say it actually goes beyond carbon. Totally, totally. See, I see. I see. Even the companies need to switch up into what they're producing. They're introducing new products. That's that's beneficial. All right, all right. That's quite interesting. So, do you want to talk about One MTN's vision for the future? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, One MTN uh, is the meaning in the world itself. We have one million ton nation. You get it. Yes, one million tons. So he thought there's like a connection between MTN, the telco, and then... Yes, we are green and completely in the climate space. Uh, yeah, but never know. Maybe some interesting partnerships can come along the way. We are open. Uh, but um, yeah, so we are in the, in the land restoration era. 
of course, with the end goal of the carbon credits. Yeah. We have big plans because we see every opportunity in, in Africa uh, to plant um, trees and create those nature-based solutions. Mm -hmm. And our aim is with every carbon project that we are taking in is actually to remove one million tons of carbon out of the atmosphere. That's the meaning within the world. So it's one million ton nation. And we really see that we can do it. To achieve it, yeah. That's our plan. And uh, and at the moment, it's just, you know, uh, it's great to be here in Uganda mm -hmm. and uh, to see also a carbon policy um, developing the public uh, institutions, uh, talking with the private sector, um, because these are investments. Yeah. It's actually a very... A good opportunity for Uganda to have an investment platform. Carbon projects can be one of the investment targets from the country. So we are very excited that uh, this dialogue is happening. I agree. It's, it's quite lovely. Yeah. Uh, unlike if there's uh, something you really feel like we need to hint on, that is how much I had prepared for this conversation. Well, the best hint would be to not to kill investment opportunities <laughs> and not double tax them because uh, different countries... Yeah, we've had the president come out to say yesterday that uh, he wasn't aware of how much they're taxing new investments like this. Yes, yeah. yes. So I would say that we have uh, very bad examples from different countries in the continent. Let's not make the same mistakes. Let's create this a good, positive environment where everybody can benefit because the in, in the end of the day, the environment and the local communities will be the ones who benefit the most. Okay. Within the new uh, economic approaches with new opportunities, jobs, and and um, yeah. So I would say let's not double tax it. Let's create a very good framework how to really, you know, attract international investments, which are not small amounts, and how to create a really high-quality project. Good, good, good. That is really mostly it from the business side. Now we're going to expound who Anit is as a leader, as a public speaker. What is your mantra? What builds you? What defines you? What is that zeal? Why Why do you have hope? What do you think about life? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> now I think to, you know, I need to think a little bit more, but I think that I am a very active person. I definitely don't like stagnation. I am always on the move. And um, this being so active and uh, and seeing opportunities, connecting, creating something new and exciting is that what gives me ener energy. Uh -huh. So I would say I'm definitely um, towards learning something new, creating something new. And that was how I was raised. So my family building something different businesses and yeah. I was always on the move as a kid and i love to help so that's what that's basically that's it about me right so what what is that one mantra you believe in and you work with every day you learn something new every day and you have to you know be open uh -huh. to the universe because the positive things are happening and that's actually my mantra that I'm very, very open to new things. And you're very optimistic. Yes, and I'm very optimistic. I don't let the negative thoughts stay too much in my mind. Of course, as a person, I also have you no know, bad and good days. Yeah. But I think that the, the most crucial part is to get yourself together and just move forward. When I'm having some bad day or, or 
complications or, or something is not moving right, I think the best thing what I can do as a person is immediately craft a plan. If I have a plan how to do it since that moment, I am already shifted into the next mode. And that's, I think, that for me as a person, it's very, very important to always have this, you know, opportunity to turn things around. Because in the end of the day, nobody will going to do it for you. You have to do it yourself. And that's it. Good, good. That's lovely to know. Uh, what's that one? What type of legacy are you trying to leave behind? Usually this is the last question I ask the people on the podcast, but I think it's the second last way. What type of legacy as a human being? What world do you want to leave behind for when you ever get the chance and die? I think that that question I had for myself two years ago when, when I when when I started actually creating those projects uh, towards Africa, I was doing the same in Europe, and I saw that my actions are not creating the right impact. So I would say that impact is the the and it of course it can be measured in different ways. Maybe it's just you know action that I have helped somebody to to reach something, or we have you know restored the land, and and really we can measure how many people we have been impacted in a good way by, for example, accessing the jobs or or creating a better environment. So in my mind, I think that I really would love to leave behind an impact. And that's what I also would love that my kids are seeing, that we are very creating something something completely positive, where actually everybody is benefiting. All right. And, yeah. Do you have questions to ask me? Yeah, what you would what what are you mostly interested in uh, if you are hearing the words, for example, climate or carbon credits? Yeah. You as a person, what interest is well, where is the interest for you? Well, uh, the interest is from the fact that it's our hope to survive. So I want to take part to make sure we don't just go extinct, right? Yes. So I don't, yeah, I, I've, I've read a few things. So I've read Bill Gates' book on climate change and it it gives you an understanding of this is what we have to do to save the world. And it feels like it's so far out of my mind, but then... I also am really, I've, I've been raised someone who works and does, so I want to be part of the work. So I am taking part with the learning every day from, this is why I'm having conversations with people like you in the field, so that I can learn so much, the reading, and just do whatever I have to do, right? Yeah, probably maybe when I buy my next car, I'll buy an electronic car just because of that, because of the information, regardless of what I would have otherwise liked. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. That, that's nice to hear. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else? No. So this podcast is designed like that. There's a time when I ask and then you ask. And and I ask. Okay. Then I think. So maybe from... from you, it can also be about the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually wanted to ask about Uganda. Where you see, for example, the opportunities where the um, young people, young entrepreneurs could actually, you know, tap in. Do you see it from, for example, from the startup perspective? What's at the moment into have been interested for a lot of people here? Well, I think uh, the sensitization will be where they, they they mostly rely. If 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 they are if they are they're taking part of the awareness, that means they are learning and then they are being part of it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they just have to find the opportunities and get involved. 
I, I don't know which one specifically, but that would be a good start. Like like what I'm doing, really. Yeah. And what kind of problems do you see yourself, for example, to succeed as a young entrepreneur in the country? Money. Access to money. So that's such a big problem, right? Um, even when you have big dreams, see, I was telling you about a project we're working on. Uh, it, even when you have big dreams, there's that limitation of access to money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just not about how you present it or the project. It's there's so much bureaucracy from where you to present, who is involved. Uh, we have the middleman tendency here, where the middleman who is doing totally nothing wants almost like eighty percent of the cut of what you're getting. So that is a big problem. Access to money, and really getting the money to do the work it's supposed to do for the projects you you're trying to to be about. Yeah. Do you see any possibility that that in the nearest future this middleman concept could possibly change? Yeah, first of all, I think most of it trails from who we are as a people and our leaders and generations because right now it seems like the norm, right? We we, we feel not to like processes and systems and to see things through from how they work to start. Mm-hmm. We just want to bypass everything. Yeah. Uh, I know this. I, I think I can do that. It's it's always thought and power play. So we end up like that. No, we, we don't have the patience of following through process and planning and which is affecting us. So right now, even when you decide to be organized, it's almost as useless since everyone that will get their way seems not to be very organized. Yeah. yeah. So most of it, I think, can come from if we if we get if we get support from leadership and they're supporting and they're implementing the laws we have, because what we have with the laws and everything is very, very good. But we'd never get implementation to mm-hmm. like, to see things, to to like really get social justice of a few small things where maybe you're not you're supposed to use a road like this. So that type of culture we do not yet have, yeah. and it's affecting us on such a bigger level. So I have a last question. Yeah. What's your mantra? My mantra. Uh, I believe in two things, right? Uh, I believe in community, in the power of togetherness, first of all. I believe that to work, well, when you see those guys, they're just not people I work with, they're also my friends. So that is one thing that stands out. And I also, because I believe that you have to help someone and also get helped, I believe you, the one statement I like so much is make sure the person giving you the ball gets as much credit as you for making the basket. Yeah, like playing basket. that's so good. So, so right. that is something I like. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It's impossible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you too, Anip. This was really good. It will be out in no time. Yeah, Shua will then focus more and have other conversations on like specific projects we're working on. So yeah. that's like the aim as well of the podcast. Yeah. Just to really be another awareness platform we can, yeah. we can always use. That's great. Yeah, that's thank great. you.